Hello, everybody. I'm Richard Olberger, PhD clinical psychologist on behalf of Richard Listens. And I am here with my co-host, Lorinda Phillips from Retired from Sports. And we will be hosting Making the Jump panel. And our focus of this podcast panel extraordinaire is about helping athletes in transition, athletes post-retirement, and today we promise not to disappoint. I am hosting this panel along with Lorinda Phillips, who will be introducing our guests in just a minute. If you or anyone you know through this pandemic and beyond are needing support in any way, whether it be emotionally, mentally, or to just raise your game as a high performer and managing your stress, please check me out at richardlistens.com. If you want to find more content related to my podcast or suggest someone you know to be on the podcast, please look me up on Instagram at richardlistens and my patreon.com slash richardlistens. Please sign up to be a supporter of our show and bring advanced content such as this panel directly to you. Without further ado, my fabulous co-host as well as CEO of Retired from Sports, Lorinda Phillips. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Making Jump as your co-host, Master Survive Coach Lorinda Phillips. Our guests are elite athletes offering their story and advice that is entertaining and authentic. We're going to be bringing today is part three. I know you are all eager to get the complete set. We've greatly enjoyed bringing you previous topics on dollars and cents, how to manage your money. And today we're going to focus on physical health. We have chiropractor therapist and a physical therapist about how to take care of your bodies for the long run. Next week, we'll be getting into relationships and how to take care of those for the long run. So we're trying to cover every aspect of what it's like to be an elite former and how to keep your high performance mindset growing across the life. Lorenda, who are our guests today? Thank you so much, Richard. The first one is Dr. Mary Trumpy, and she is a sports chiropractor. She's been in the health and fitness field for over 30 years, both as an athlete and as a healthcare professional. She specializes in evaluating and treating a wide variety of issues, offering chiropractic treatments, physical therapy to address sports injuries, and rehabilitation from surgeries. Her mission as a sports chiropractor is to determine the cause of a patient's problem or injury and create a therapy program specifically for each individual person. It's important for her to educate the patients on how to rehab the problem and injury and teach them what to do to avoid having the issue come back. She can see a person a few times, but if they continue their own home care routine, they'll be able to live a more healthy and injury-free life. So that's Dr. Mary. Our second guest is Dr. Madison Harris. She is a licensed occupational therapist in California. She has extensive experience working with clients who have neurological conditions such as traumatic brain injury, including concussion and spinal cord injury and degenerative neurological conditions. She has helped patients across the lifespan to improve her function in daily activities through client-centered intervention. Dr. Harris has experience with engaging clients in successful transition programs during significant life events, such as living independently in college, retiring from sport or a long-term career, 
or adapting to living with a new diagnosis. She also has experience in working with high-level athletes after injury. This should be a very exciting interview with both of these professionals. So happy that you're both here with us. What got you to what you're doing now? So hi everyone, I'm Madison. I'm an occupational therapist. I did my undergrad, master's and doctorate all at USC and did my residency at UCLA. During my time at USC, I was transitioning into my freshman year of college and I was at the same time retiring from a 15 year dance career. And I was having a really hard time with this transition just with the change in structure and the change in socialization motivating myself to go exercise or go to the gym and learn how to use the equipment that I had never really had experience with. Always being in the dance studio with a very structured, rigid schedule, someone telling me how to work out, how to exercise. And so that transition was really hard for me. And I was sitting in a class freshman year and we were talking about how lifestyle changes can take place. And I thought that athletes really experience a lot of lifestyle changes when they go into retirement or even when they're suffering from an injury and maybe are removed from sport for six to nine months and how OTs could be really beneficial in this population. And then as I moved through school there, I also found the keyword of concussion and became really interested in the brain and how injuries like concussions affect an athlete's well-being while they're recovering from the injury and maybe long-term. And I developed a program with UCLA Brain Sport Program and then was hired on to run that full-time. So I've been there working with concussion patients and then have now expanded into a private practice as well, where I hope to target more of that retiring athlete population. How about you, Mary? First of all, thanks for having me, everybody. Just just been in the health and fitness industry for as long as I can remember. You know, pretty much can do any sport, but nothing dance or elite. But I've always just really wanted to work with athletes. I've done my career as in chiropractic, but there is a vision of chiropractic that's called a certified chiropractic sports physician, which you get additional training that helps you learn how to handle injuries on any part of the body. So main chiropractic classically is trained just to adjust the spine only. And I noticed all the other people would be coming into the clinic in college and they'd have ankle injuries and knee injuries and the other doctors there would not have the skills to help them. Their idea would be and it's great, is if you adjust the spine, it opens up all nerve flows and then it'll heal any body part. For example, if you have a bad shoulder or a bad knee, if I adjust your spine, it's going to help but it's not going to fix it as far as rehabilitating. I went that course as far as like being able to handle more of different joint injuries. And one of the things that I've been lucky enough to learn was all the skills of somebody comes in with a bad ankle, let's say a chronic ankle sprains or a soccer player or some sport where they specifically continue to have the same injury. And just like Madison was saying, you get a high-performing athlete, someone who's young, energetic, focused, ready to go, and they have this injury and then they can't move forward. Let's say they're six, eight weeks, they're doing great, they're back playing full force, sprain their ankle again, over and over, and to see what it 
does to a human who has these goals and dreams and there's a body part that's not working and they don't know what to do. You can actually see it on their face and they want to get back. And then I see the people that go back too soon or they get the wrong instructions on what to do. So one of the things that I try to do when I work with the athletes is really assess their whole body. Sure, you may have a loose ligament. Sure, you keep spraining your ankle, shoulder, whatever body part continues to be troublesome is learning why does that happen. Sometimes it's not a loose ligament. Sometimes it's a different part of the body. Let's say you're spraining your ankle. Sometimes it's a weakness on the other hip. Maybe you're one leg dominant and trying to create a program and that's really specific to each person's problem that you teach them what to do. Like, of course, they come into the clinic and they get therapy and chiropractic, but help really educate them and really do a full body assessment. Look at them as a human. Like if you're in dance, I would want to know, for example, what's your dance? You know, is it dynamic? Is it fluid? And then you can kind of help create a program to address all the other issues that might be causing that one injury that just keeps repeating. So that's kind of my approach when it comes to athletes. Just go jump on your bike and you start riding, your back hurts. So it's not bike, it's that you have weaknesses other other places. I know I'm one of those people. I had chronic back issues and I think most of it came from doing what I'm doing right now, sitting. Then when I worked for the county, it was 40, 50 hours a week between the car and sitting in assessment and having tense conversations. So I'd be pulling forward, hunching. So it's interesting. I had to go through a back surgery before someone told me this could be your hamstring, an issue tied to your hips. Learning a lot more about how to help athletes and how to strengthen other muscle groupings. I wish I had a provider that was giving me that kind of information. You know who to approach now in the future. (laughs) It's been an interesting year, right? Lots of changes this year. I'd love to know, how's your business been impacted? And did you have to go to a plan B and what was that? And My practice within the UCLA health system transitioned all to telemedicine. And so when all the stay-at-home orders came out, we moved to that, which I had already been doing a little bit prior to the start of those stay-at-home orders. So it wasn't a huge adaption that I had to do. But my caseload, I found, actually increased when the COVID stuff happened. And I think a lot of that was because a lot more adolescent patients, both on the concussion side and then they also work in an adolescent epilepsy clinic. Being removed from their school environment, from those social supports, from their sports, from all of these areas of their daily routine really impacted their lifestyle. So I think the referrals just started spilling in a little bit faster. And then I look towards August, September, when we're supposedly maybe going back to school in person in the classroom and how I will now have to get all these kids ready to go back to school and being in the classroom environment environment and learning for seven hours every day. So that was a really interesting thing to see. And it's been a good experience to work with the kiddos through this challenging time. And then on the private practice side, slowed down a little bit, but has started picking up again and hoping to keep driving forward. Thank you. And Mary, how about you? Did you see some changes in these last several months? Luckily, chiropractic was considered an essential business, so I was able to stay open, but pretty immediately the patient load fell down. A lot of our services, we provided massage therapy, and that was just taken off the plate because that was kind of not really allowed. So in the beginning, I just 
put all my staff kind of on hold, so it was just me. But I found a lot of people still wanted to come in. It was really great. One thing I kind of did like was not having any staff, not having anybody here. It kind of put you back on a as a sole practitioner. So it was actually kind of interesting to reconnect with your people. And, you know, it's just one-on-one with the patients. I'm checking the front desk, doing all the basics, you know. And it was quite fascinating to realize how far removed when you start running a business and you're doing the paperwork and you're managing how far removed you are from being a practitioner. So that was a good insight to me. And now a lot of chiropractors didn't open it up. So my business has been really booming. We opened back up pretty much for the massage a couple months ago. What I've noticed is that the people that are now can't go to the gym, they have new exercises. So people just get up and they go for a run. Or I'm going to start doing all these classes I've never done, but, you know, you're in a seated position. I'm going to get up and go for a run. And they're like, man, after I've been running, my back hurts. I'm like, yeah, because you're just like this all the time. Educational for me. So luckily my business is picking back up, but it's helped me to be like, don't, you just can't start running. You can't just start like jumping rope. It's a good point because a lot of people come out of the period of quarantine, like, you no, know, obviously a lot of eating, a lot of emotional, like nurturing needed. People were discovering all these recipes and banana bread. It's natural, right? We couldn't burn as many calories. I was like, I'm doing a ton of walks around the block, but I'm still getting a little heavy in the midsection. So there's an urge to like rush back to everything. Everybody's out and everyone's doing everything full bore and I think that's like a mentality when you've been deprived especially as an athlete of being able to get out there and they're missing the season you're missing opportunity even to train in the way you could but yeah. to do so mindfully and to do so with attention to stretching that's been the one area of focus for me during this quarantine is to make sure before the end of the week and every day maybe a 20 minute stretch and how tight the hamstrings can get just from being stuck in less space I've had more injuries, uh, two elbow wraps. I mean, every show people were like, is somebody beating you? So what are the tips do you give athletes in terms of moving slowly forward as we reset out into the world? Just like you said, if you're in a seated position, everything is shortened. So there's going to go from a shortened position to grabbing the lat. I told everybody, you have to start putting movements into every single joint. I just say, start at the top, you know, move your wrists, move your elbows, do some circles with your arms back and forth, maybe rotate, even just step up and down and roll your ankles. You should start doing that once a day right now because we've all been more sedentary can't get off a sofa and go for a run without, like you said, a little bit of a stretch, stretch the hammies, open up the pecs, you know, movement into every joint. How about for you, Madison? Any tips you have? And maybe segue that into when athletes have been injured and they're trying to get back movement, what exercise you start to build in? When I'm working with patients who have been injured and maybe are feeling a little more hesitant to go back to their sport or having a hard time reintegrating, whether it be reoccurring headaches that they then associate with injury or the potential for injury or feeling really deconditioned, we have a couple different protocols that we can put them through, including a bike protocol, which Letty has studied pretty well. It's called the Buffalo Bike Test. So we'll put athletes through that. But the advice I give them and because because we use a bike, this is the saying that we've kind of be coined, but it really applies to any activity is you want to get off the bike feeling like you can get on the next day. So I always want an athlete to get off feeling like it's a little easy. Maybe they're not feeling 100% satisfied because they didn't push to their maximum limit. But the goal is that they get on the next day rather than pushing really hard and then being out for maybe the rest of that day because they need to sleep or for the next four days because they trigger a 
headache and then the headache won't go away for four days or because that negative experience of having symptoms after exercising or pushing too hard causes them to withdraw or feel motivated to re-engage in that the next day. So that's kind of the advice that I try to give our athletes. I heard that you work with the Brain Sport Program. There's an actual study going on with patients on the bike is that right or did i hear something like that related to brain health is that post concussion yeah. so it's in pilot phases right now but based on again lots of studies that letty has published that's something that i'm helping with where again we get athletes on a bike we look at their heart rates and we're doing a couple of different things with that and hopefully the research will be published in hopefully the next couple of months depending on how quickly it goes through reviews and all of that but um i'll be happy to tell you more when it comes out too. Another good thing to do in quarantine besides make banana bread, scholarly research. So yeah, that's one of the questions I actually had was uh, what has you interested kind of newly in what you're doing? Is there anything that's getting developed in your field that's kind of sparked some interest? Madison, you started that. You just came out. Now you got all kinds of great ideas. So I would love to hear. Yes. As far as a lot of my research, when I initially became interested in working with athletes, I did a lot of research on how OTs provide care for athletes. And it really seemed like we weren't in that field. It was mostly athletic trainers, physical therapists, which totally makes sense. As I went through that process, I saw more and more how there could be a shared role for occupational therapy to address the more everyday living activities that might change again during injury or during retirement. So a lot of what I'm doing in the program development that I've been doing, I've been talking to colleagues across the country and I definitely give credit to their many phone calls that they've had to endure from me to learn what they're doing too. There aren't many of us out there doing this concussion protocol with athlete right now. And so a lot of the program development that's going on is a lot of trial and error and gathering evidence and then publishing. So I had a publication come out last November. And then my resident is in the process of working on publication that follows up my publication that I did last year. And then we're just submitting abstracts and trying to educate the larger medical community on how OT could play a beneficial role in the field for care for athletes. I read an article maybe about a year ago that said there's about 380 NFL players that have concussion. Do you think that that's a fairly accurate number? Is that about right? That many NFL players have a concussion every season? Every season. I'm not up to date on the specific NFL research. In our clinic, we'll see a lot of the collegiate athletes. We'll see some professional athletes that we partner with certain teams. And then we'll see like a lot of high-level high school athletes. And the sports they generally come from are soccer or volleyball, surprisingly, football, lacrosse those big contact boards are generally who we see, but then we'll also see kids who fell off the slide on the playground or who maybe tripped and fell while tracing a friend. So you kind of see patients all across the spectrum. Mary, how about you in terms of new things that are popping up in your field? Where have you gone with that? 
One thing I was going to mention that was kind of interesting that I noticed, there's almost two groups of people. I work with, you know, high-end athletes, regular people, and like collegiate athletes. What they've done during this quarantine time and the stay-at-home order to where some people really took it on to improve their sport. Like they would go to an isolated area and do drills. And I've noticed some people really intellectualize that. They just almost like get stuck they don't know what to do it's hard for them they know they need to go do their drills they're sad and depressed and complain which is all justified and then there's the other groups that they've taken this time to work on the intricate skills that maybe they don't do in their training that was just a side note just interesting to see what isolation does to someone and what it takes for them on the inside to keep going when they don't know when they can get back. I've seen a lot of depression and anxiety, but as far as anything in my field, I haven't seen anything. I'm a little bit behind on the tech world. One of the real gifts of this, uh, you know, the, the, the more that we have to sit still, the further we can notice how far we can connect. And as healing with telemedicine, with the ability to use technology where we can be connected to people all across the globe. Try scheduling a Zoom call with someone with Australia. It's an exercise for you. Uh, in all seriousness, it's led to some very interesting conversations about brain health, well-being in athletes, and how it's being applied to sports such as rugby. So that's part of my curiosity is more about not just about the damages caused by concussions, but how can we improve athlete well-being? And what are the things that Madison's working on, some projects here collaborating with with the Brain Learning Center here in California in terms of what can be done to help athletes reduce their anxiety around returning to the field or around if they do have a concussion. Because you mentioned the statistics, right? We know that if the stats report 380, well, we might as well somehow increase that by 25% because we miss, we underreport, we don't always see things when they're happening. They don't want to get into the injury, so they want to like brush it off. And you don't know how many times they've done that in their career it could have started in high school and i let's just look at the nfl for a minute it's about 1700 guys per year all the teams 53 men a good percentage of them who would like to take that question that richard posed well it's a little bit of both i'll clarify it i think mary let us in she's seeing a little bit more anxiety the effects of post isolation what people anxiety depression and then some of these similar symptoms that people have if you do have a concussion or you've recovered how do you treat the anxiety and depressive aspect how do you kind of help an athlete get up a sense of where to go to deal with those emotions as part of their recovery if you'd like to listen more please click on the link for making the jump located in the show notes so you can get access to all of the shows and their complete recordings this is richard listens and i'm out mm-hmm.